private time, uh, owing to the time that I grew up when they started to give people fluoride, that in my entire life, I have only had one cavity. I got it when I was 35 years old. That's the good news. The bad news is that my one and only cavity was a root cavity. And uh, so the first thing, the only dental work I've ever had to have done was a root canal. And my dentist, he's retired now, but my dentist was an exceedingly gentle man. I, I never felt the sting or the pinch of the Novocaine. <laughs> but after that, the pain was excruciating. Uh, the whole time I was sitting reclined in that chair, my brow was furled and I was sweating so profusely that the dental assistant was there with paper towels mopping my head. I, I squeezed, dug into the arms of the chair so tightly that I strained tendons in my arms and fingers, and the whole time there was this squeaking sound as I, as I dug my feet into the footrest of that chair, trying to stay still. And whenever we'd take a break, my dentist would wipe the sweat off of his brow. A very gentle man at one point, he uncharacteristically swore and said, I cannot legally give you more Novocaine. He obviously wanted to. I want to tell you that those agonizing minutes went by like hours until finally at some point he'd step back, jump back, and yelled, Done! And he yelled it so loudly, I'm sure that the other patients and other, and other dentists in the other rooms heard it. As excruciating as that pain was, as much as I wanted to get away from it, I, I trusted my dentist. I knew he was a very gentle man. I could see that my pain pained him. And, and I knew that he wouldn't subject me to that agonizing experience for any more time than needed be. But we have been looking at some aspects of John chapter 11. I want to read to you the account today in its totality from verse 1 to verse 44. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back there again? And Jesus answered, are there not... Twelve hours in a day? 
A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for the light is not in him. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let's go also so that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, he went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, she replied. Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take the stone away, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, but this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. 
When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Father, today may the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And Father, may we, may we know you better, know your love for us. Amen. How long is this going to take? If you've ever experienced pain or misery, that's the question, right? That was my question at the dentist. How long is this going to take? A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the fact that the Psalms are peppered with that question. How long? They express anguish and they express suffering. They express grief. Jeremiah, nicknamed by some the weeping prophet, that phrase is throughout his prophecy. How long? When the minutes creep by like hours. That's the cry of the heart. How long? You know, we might tend to think that that's an impertinent cry. But it's a hopeful cry. Because how long anticipates that there'll be an end? We don't live in a culture where grieving is really too acceptable, not open grieving. But when I have gone over to where my daughter is buried and I'm by myself, there have been times that I've fallen on the ground and cried out, how long, Lord? How long? It's a cry of hope. Those who no longer ask how long bear more the marks of hell than of heaven. Because in hell, there is no how long. Because the situation will never be remedied. How long is the cry of heaven? In Revelation chapter 6, we read, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained, and they called out in a loud voice, How long? Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. You know, we all grieve many things throughout the course of our lives. All people will grieve loved ones lost, but not everyone will grieve the same. Paul says to the church at Thessalonica that that we do not grieve as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
we believe also that Jesus will bring with him those who have fallen asleep and the dead in Christ will rise first. And in this scene in John chapter 11, there's a lot of weeping. The sisters are weeping. The people who have gone to comfort them are weeping. Jesus is deeply moved and he's weeping. But it's not a weeping without hope. It's a weeping that carries with it the how long. How long for Lazarus and his family? Lazarus had been dead for four days. I pointed out a couple of weeks ago that according to rabbinic tradition, it was believed that when someone died, that their spirit, their life force stayed in the vicinity of their body, that, 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 that for two days it was possible that they might revive, but the, the third day death was permanent. It was irreversible. And by the fourth day, corruption began to set in. And so when Jesus says, take away the stone, and he's been weeping, they assume that it's because he wants to go and be with his friend one last time. But it's not well advised. The, the, the last element of that tradition, wherever the rabbis had garnered that tradition from, the last element was by observation. And Martha tries to dissuade him from it. Move the stone, he says, and Martha says, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor. He's been in there for four days. And I suspect that his disciples tried to dissuade him as well. I say that because of Jesus' response. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? But Jesus had said nothing to Mary or to Martha about the glory of God he did say something to his disciples, though. Back when they were in the region where John had been baptizing, we read that when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified. And Jesus had delayed leaving and going for two days so that a total of four days had passed. And it wasn't incidental that he did that. We had read that Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. See, it wasn't that though he loved them, despite that fact, he lingered. But we have already seen that it was because of that fact, because of the fact that he loved them, that he lingered. And so Jesus would raise Lazarus, and it would glorify God, and it would bring glory to the Son of God, and it would lead to faith in Jesus, even some of the religious leaders who were there. 
But in addition to all that, we're told that it was love for Lazarus, for Martha, for Mary that caused him to delay. It seems counterintuitive to us. How long, O oh Lord, is the cry of every believing broken heart? And it's a cry of hope. And in the case of Lazarus, the answer to that question was four days. And why is that? Did it have something to do with the rabbinic tradition? The fourth day, Lazarus unquestionably was dead. What happened was unquestionably a miracle. Why four days in the end? I don't really know. But Jesus knew. And love for Lazarus, love for Mary, love for Martha was a part of that equation. My dentist was an exceedingly gentle and sensitive man who didn't want to cause me more pain than was needed. Do you think Jesus is less gentle, less sensitive? Jesus was accomplishing something for Lazarus, for Mary, for Martha, for his disciples for those who would come to believe in him. And when the, when the cry of, of pain, the cry of anguish, the implicit, how long, O Lord, goes up from them, the answer is, as long as it takes me to accomplish my purpose and not a minute more. And later would come the how long again would be the how long for Jesus and for his disciples. Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. And the third day he rose again from the dead. We're all familiar with the facts. We know what the Bible says. We repeat it in the creed. A lot of years ago as a young man when I was memorizing the Westminster Shorter Catechism, I was struck by question 27, the answer to the question, what did Christ's humiliation consist in? And in part, the answer that is given is undergoing the cursed death of the cross of being buried and in continuing under the power of death for a time. And that struck me. You know, it was three days, and we say it in the creed and we read it in the scriptures, it's always three days. And for some reason, the shorter catechism didn't say for three days, it just said for a time. But that got me to thinking it was a peculiar answer. Why three days? Why not one day? Or one minute? Or one hour? Or one month? Or one year? Why three days? Three hours Jesus hung on that cross and the moments must have ticked by like eternities. How long, O oh Lord? But, but wasn't he supposed to be the redeemer that we waited for? How long, O oh Lord? And the, 
the moments of the days of those three days must have passed in anguish for the disciples. And the moments of the night when there wasn't the distraction of things to do would have been worse. Why three days? Maybe, maybe it had to do with rabbinic tradition. If Jesus been dead for an hour or for a day, they might have said he's not really dead. But is that the whole of it? There, there are mysteries in the death of Christ and in his atonement that we cannot see into or solve. But by the fourth day, corruption would have set in. That's why they didn't want to move the stone of Lazarus' tomb. And of Jesus and to Jesus, God promised. We read it this morning in Psalm 16. You will not abandon me to Sheol, nor let your Holy One see decay. And so Jesus was dead for three days for reasons that we are not told. It took God three days to accomplish his purpose. Three days and not a minute more. How, how long for Lazarus? Why? We could, we could answer that, well, it was four days. And how long for Jesus? Well, we could answer for Jesus, well, it was three days. But the common answer for both of them is that it was as long as it took for God to accomplish his purpose and not one minute more. How long for you? If you have never suffered or don't suffer now, I don't really have much to say to you this morning. But if you are trusting Jesus and you are suffering, suffering the loss of someone you love, suffering sickness, suffering anguish or pressure or pain, suffering the loss of what you once had or you once were. I want to tell you that God loves his son with a white hot intensity that your greatest loves are but the palest reflection of. And God loves you. How much does he love you? He gave his son for you, gave him over to the anguish and the suffering of the cross. No, more than that, gave him over to the anguish and the suffering of the wrath of God against your sin and against mine. Because he loves you. Suffering is not good, not pleasant, not okay. But in this fallen world, there is a purpose in it for everyone who trusts in Christ. 
the suffering that comes to you comes through the hands of a loving Heavenly Father who sends it, I read in the text, not despite the fact that he loves you, but because he loves you. The Apostle Paul, reflecting on that, would write, these momentary light afflictions are producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And believer in Jesus, count on it. God is accomplishing something through what you suffer. And the question of your suffering is, oh, how long, oh Lord? It's not a wrong question, it's a hopeful question. He who loves you so much that he gave his son for you has an answer to that question for you. And the question is this, or the answer is this, as long as it takes to accomplish my purpose in you and not a minute more. You pray with me. <clears throat> Father, I'm momentarily without words at the thought of your great love for us. If you've not withheld your only son for us, what, what else would you withhold from us? And Father, we live in a, in a world that has fallen into sin, that's been tainted by sin, our, our, our own sin yet clings to us though, though father it has been dealt the death blow in what Jesus has done and father help us to trust as we sang before that you are your own interpreter that behind the frowning providence is a smiling countenance how could we doubt it when we see what you've given to redeem us to restore us and so father even as we cry out in the things that we suffer how long help us to trust that you have a plan and you have a purpose And while that pain, that hardship, that anguish, that suffering might be necessary for you to accomplish your purpose in us, it will not go on for one moment more than what is needed. Help us to trust you. Through Christ we pray. Amen.